the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking stock, talking investing, talking sectors, talking what to do with your portfolio and why on a regular basis. One of the big questions that we always have is, you know, obviously, what stock should we buy? And I think you should put together a team of stocks. And what I mean by that is there should be some complements, some things that are always working when others aren't and some things that aren't working when others are. I think you should look at it as a baseball team. Can't just have a big old jumbo jock at first base, second base, third base. Say fourth base, but home. And the outfield, he strikes out too much. At some point in time, you have to kind of rein it in, so to speak, and get a a speedy shortstop, uh, a solid second baseman, uh, a well-hitting, decent defending third baseman who doesn't strike out, where the first baseman does have a little pop to his bat. You kind of have to think of that as the way you think of your investing. Uh, the big question out there is sometimes is not how to put together a team because we know you put together a team of tech stocks and financial stocks and retail stocks and uh, inside t- uh, finance, maybe you have a bank or a broker or maybe an insurance company. Inside of tech, maybe you have a software, a semiconductor, a hardware, maybe you have a web 2.0 kind of company. Uh, social media. One of the areas that a lot of people have is tech. And I know because it's sexy. It's so sexy on the way up. It's got revenues. It's got uh, CEOs who are kind of smart and uh, know how to market and push their concepts that they want to push and say things like, oh, yes, everyone needs home delivery of groceries. Everyone needs home delivery of groceries because one day people won't have legs. You're like, that's right, people won't have legs. What he says is absolutely true. So not when is the question of when to buy a stock. Sometimes it's when to sell a stock. So there's a new idea out there, author named Jonathan Taplin. He runs the Annenberg Innovation Lab. And he 
His new book is called Move Fast and Break Things, How Facebook, Google, and Amazon Cornered Culture and Undermined Democracy. Right there, you kind of like it. You kind of like the idea that he's going to be pushing. It's going to be aggressive. He's basically saying Alphabet, Facebook, and Amazon. Stocks are known as part of the FANG stocks. F for Facebook, A for Alphabet, A for long Amazon, FANG. Netflix and Google are the other two. Not Netflix and Google. Um, it used to be Google. So, um, so anyway, these three companies, in his opinion, have eviscerated, have destroyed, have dominated aspects of culture. And it's kind of true. Uh, I know people who either like Facebook or who dislike Facebook. When you, we now look at finding someone and maybe seeing what they've done in the past or maybe learning what they look like, we Google them. And Amazon, I can't tell you how many people are just thrilled that you can have something delivered in one, two days. Sometimes on Sunday delivery. I'm like, who delivers on Sunday? So Taplin writes that regulators will increasingly take a hard look at the trio of companies as they continue to exert their power in society. And that's probably true. Microsoft did it in the late 90, uh, mid-90s, late-90s. As they became more and more powerful and, you know, there was something called an internet browser where we went from software on our machines to a browser. And Netscape came out with a browser that you could download online. And, or I'm not sure how you could download it. You know, AOL was kind of a, a browser kind of idea. Uh, but Netscape was a big idea. And, you know, Internet Explorer was online. And Microsoft made Internet Explorer free and cheap and easy and dominant. So they got into trouble with regulators. So... When Taplin, the author, discusses his belief that the growing anti-monopolistic and antitrust sentiment around the big Internet companies. Now, again, you may not like Facebook. You may love Facebook. You may not like Instagram. You may love Instagram. You may not like Snap. You may love Snap. We tend to have a love-hate. And just because you love it doesn't mean that farmers out in Iowa don't go, I don't like that big company. They're telling me what to think. Ultimately, Taplin references surveillance capitalism, which it's kind of eerie, not in a horrible way, but it's just, I, I see that as kind of weird. If I go skiing and at any point in time I, you know, type in Mount Shasta or Lake Tahoe or ski rentals, even if I do it in the search bar, if I do it in the internet bar, if I do it at Google or Bing, suddenly when I'm on Facebook, when I've done none of these, you know, entries into Facebook, suddenly I'm seeing ads on Facebook. They know me. They also know that I, I tend to only look at, you know, posts from female friends of mine. Maybe I don't like my male friends. Maybe I'm, you know, a player. They also know how old I am. They also know that I buy stuff on Amazon. They also know, like, the stuff that they start to know is pretty darn crazy because they follow you and they see you when you're not online. So the big question is, we know that these are all three great companies to own. Until how long? When do they become Microsoft and underperform for five to ten years? Only to reinvent themselves. To improve the status quo and create a digital renaissance for content producers, you've got to have more of a decentralized web to unleash, you know, new generations of, of technology, new generations of business, new generation of social innovators. So when you have Google Alphabet and Amazon 
controlling the roads, they could say, we don't want any off-roads created. We're going to shut down access to all that. Um, so there was something long time ago that we've all probably forgot. It was called the Digital Millennium Copyright Act that protected Google and other Internet giants. Is it time to strip that away? It's a big question. If it does get stripped away, what's to be done about these big companies and their increasing dominance of culture and society? If you remove the DMCA, safe harbor provisions that Google, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook use their advantage, you basically get a takedown and a stay down kind of policy from using content, uh, which is currently there for YouTube that Google would be required to enforce. Uh, it'd be pretty fascinating. On occasion, when I'm on YouTube, which you can find at Rob Black Show, and I haven't really updated that in a bit because I'm waiting for something uh, unique to put there. And I'll, I'll develop it. You just have to be kind of cool and wait. It's at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. At said uh, site, every now and then I'll post something that maybe for my TV news to Cron 4. And YouTube will scan it and find it and go, you need to take that down because that might be a copyright. But it's pretty rare. And it takes a long time to be uh, marked and, and pulled off. So that's out there. So I'm talking stock. I'm talking investing. When do the giants become something you want to get out of? A lot of times it's when, you know, ultimately what you have is a scenario of it's time to quit. It's time to, you know, uh, when the government gets involved and says, you know, we don't like this. So just try to pay attention to that kind of stuff. And, you know, remember that Microsoft was was Google. They were Facebook. They were a dominant company that always went up. Yahoo was a dominant company that always went up. Excited Home always went up. They had super fast Internet. They had, you know, a, a portal as well. Things do change. Just try to remember it and try to find things that make them change. Maybe it's not the revenue. Maybe it's not the CEO. Maybe it's Congress. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm talking stock. Stock Talk with Rob Black. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM Black talking money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. You can talk stock with me. Drop me an email. Like I said, it's pretty darn easy, all things considered, to get involved. I just talked about the dominance of Facebook, Amazon, and Google, and how, not yet, 
but soon, and maybe a little bit now, you're starting to see some scrutiny of government officials on companies like an Amazon, where it once went from selling books to selling cities to selling so much more, and why did they pick up Whole Foods? And that starts to get people nervous, and it starts to get the government listening to their people who are nervous because they're calling the, their, their government. So I just talked about the dominance of these companies. Now, they may run into government intervention at some point in time, and it's something to pay attention to. They're great companies. They're great stocks for now. But when they run into the government and they start losing, uh, you already saw Google run into a billion-dollar problem in Europe. That wasn't a problem for them. When does it become a problem? Multi-billion, tens of billions, hundreds of billions? So it's just something to pay attention to. You don't just sit on your stocks like a mother hen sits on a chicken or an egg. Mother hens don't sit on chickens. They sit on eggs. They turn into chickens. So one of the portfolio managers who made a name of himself in the dot-com bubble, he's abandoning his bearish view on tech stocks. And he's a little bit late because his tech talks, tech stocks on tech talk, on stock talk have done very well. Paul Meeks, he's chief investment officer at Sloydahl and Halst. He says he's back to risk on after being skeptical that stocks could deliver strong returns. He came up with the idea of risk on, risk off. Now, he says, I don't think they're screaming buys here, but I would initiate positions or slightly add to. Nothing too aggressive. He uh, made sound hesitant. He may sound a little bit hesitant, but it's still a meaningful change from his June 5 appearance when he was on CNBC. Meeks, who worked for Merrill Lynch during the tech boom and subsequent collapse, he looked at the recent outperformance of tech back then and was worried of he looks at stock prices. He looks at valuations. He looks at earnings. He looks at future. He tries to guesstimate, estimate, model what's going to come down the road. Back then, when he was a little nervous, he said things had gotten too expensive, and it didn't really correct, uh, correctly reflect on their their stocks. So he looked at the fang stocks, the Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, whose parent company is also known as Alphabet. Um, and it's fair sometimes to look at these companies and say PE is 40, PE of 300, PE of 500, PE of you know 28 is more expensive than the stock market, which in the end, valuations do matter. Earnings do matter. Now, since then, when he had that appearance, the NASDAQ 100 was down about 1.5%, so he was kind of justified. Facebook shares, though, have performed the best amongst its peer in that time frame, up 9%. Alphabet down 7%. Amazon down 5%. And Netflix relatively flat. Now, just because we've had a period of underperformance and a period of, of solid earnings, he's saying, let's put our feet back into the market. Let's do this. But he's doing a little bit different. He likes names now like Oracle and Salesforce.com and Microsoft, as well as Facebook, Amazon. Netflix, and Google. He says, I'd like to focus on leadership names. There's no shame in that, in my opinion. Why go for number two or number three or number four when you can have number one? Well, you typically go for two, three, four because they may look like a value compared to number one. But that could be a value trap. Do not step in the bear trap. Do not step in the bear trap. It's right there. Do not step in the bear trap. Oh, I stepped in the bear trap. So he wants us to focus on uh, leadership names, and I, I don't think that's a bad thing because it, it rarely turns into a value trap because you're the leader. You're, you typically pay a premium for it. He says they're the ones that are doing well. 
are mostly my grouping of cloud-oriented names, according to him. He says he actually thinks that most of them have come down quite a ways since they announced their quarter results. Sometimes you don't have to come down. Sometimes sideways is neither up nor down. In this case, sideways is down. Because while the valuation stayed static, the earnings grew. And sometimes the, st- uh, the valuation stayed static to down 5 10% while the va- uh, valuations grow. It's kind of funny watching this guy age because I have seen him age. Now he's, he once was a young, vibrant man with all his hair. Now he's an older guy who's got thinning on top and pretty much so a gray beard. Sounds a little bit f- too familiar to me. Um, I think one of the best things about when I grew up, ultimately a large part of my adult has happened during the internet age and I've been very conscious of it. I wasn't out there trying to you know, score a fun night. I wasn't out there trying to drink myself into unhappiness or into happiness. I was out there working and I like it. One last thing he says, he says, I do think if anything ever slightly positive happens to these companies, they're going to have a big, big bounce from moving sideways. So, again, some of the names you mentioned, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Oracle, Salesforce, and Microsoft. Let's hold a worker advisor for to get action on any stocks mentioned. I'm just trying to show you what's working, what's not working out there, and why. And, again, I think a lot of it is, is pretty good stuff to digest and not too shabby. In the world of non-tech stocks, because I've dedicated most of the show so far to tech stocks, Nike shares fell after an analyst says the premium valuation not as justified as it used to be because you have a resurgent Adidas. Now, I'm a Nike guy. Uh, I typically run two pairs of running shoes at a time. Uh, one is typically a pair of New Balance or Sakoni, and the other is typically a pair of Nike shoes. Uh, Jeffries today, uh, and it doesn't even matter today. It's, it's, it's not, I don't want you to look as day to day. I don't want you to become a day trader, but I want you to see when things get upgraded or downgraded. Ask the question why. And you too can ask the question why and look for those answers before it actually happens. Nike was downgraded to a hold, citing market share losses to Adidas. And this is a situation where you have a running shoe pie or an athleisure pie. And when one company has like 54, 58%, other people could take a little piece of pie, and it means a lot to them, not so much the big guy, but the big guy gets a premium valuation, and that could take, be taken back. Nike shares underperformed the market in the last 12 months, with the shares down 7%, compared with the S&P 500's 11% return. Its stock also declined 4% after Foot Locker reported disappointing second quarter earnings report due to poor sneaker sales. So poor sneaker sales, Foot Locker ties to Nike. Can you tie some of the pieces together with your stocks? You should be able to. I always have seminars coming up, and I hope you learn how to tie things together, whether it's how to get to wealth, how to get to retirement, how to pay as little income taxes as possible, what have you. You can sign up for these events by going to Rob Black Show, robblackshow.com. And anytime there's an event, use the code RADIO25, RADIO25 to get in for free, as long as you're a radio listener. And that's the assumption with that thought. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Stop talk with Rob Black. Black. There was a day last week when I looked at stocks, and one of the things I noticed was everything was in the red. Now, when that happens, you have to ask yourself, why? Okay, maybe we've hit a top. Maybe we've hit a broad-based sell-off. Maybe we've hit a president who says something that the market doesn't like. It's happened before, and it'll happen again. So when it happens, you look at tech stocks and services and basic materials and healthcare and utilities and industrial goods and consumers, uh, whether it be financial stocks, and you try to figure out what's going on. And when one thing on that screen is green, you go, why is everything in the red losing money and one thing's in the green? This is the best part about talking stocks, stock talk, is that you try to become a stock investigator. And... I've been doing Stock Talk now back for the second iteration. It first appeared on CNET Radio back in the early 2000s, late 90s. And it was a a wildly successful show because everyone was fascinated with tech stocks. And I'm not going to keep it just tech stocks this time. I'm going to make it a little bit broader. But one of the things I did when I relaunched the show about a month ago was, or it doesn't even matter the time, right? was I highlighted six or seven stocks that I think are great names and should be acquired if it's appropriate for your portfolio and you do your own homework and you should always consult a broker advisor for taking action on your stocks mentioned. One of the names is Alibaba, and basically they are the Amazon of China. And again, I don't want you to go buy it, but ask yourself, why was it up on a day when everything else was down? And um, the company is costly. It's got a premium valuation. Um, maybe you look for it on down days, but they had a great quarter. So, and seeing that Alibaba is tied towards um, Aladdin and the magic lamp, you know, and uh, it's kind of funny that Aladdin yeah. finds his magic lamp on a bad day on Alibaba. Is that a stock you should buy? I don't think so. I don't know you. So I think you need to consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned, of course, and always. Um, but, you know, there's basically two things on everyone's mind when there's a route on Wall Street. You know, why is everything down and what's that one doing up? So, and I do kind of want you to start paying attention to these things. When the market is telling us, you know, it's a buy on dip, it's a buy on dip, it's a buy on dip. And you can take a look at a chart of a, let's say, a six month, 12 month. And you can see every time there's a dip, maybe it's a 5% dip. Maybe if you were to draw a line and connect all the bottoms in kind of an up vertical fashion, because it's buy on the dip, then it goes higher. It's buy on the dip, then it goes higher. If you connect all the bottoms, you can see like, okay, oh, no, it just broke through that line. And maybe that's a bit of a problem. Maybe that's the one that says technically, you know, we're no longer holding support. Now we're breaking through it, and more people are finding reasons to get out. Now, I think that's called a trend line. And trend lines can be broken or pierced, either on the upside or the upside. I think trend lines can be very, very fake, so you need to be careful. Um, you know, one person can pull up a chart that says, uh-oh, here's a break. 
one person can pull out, you know, a you know a ten day trading, a fifty day trading, hundred day trading average, and say, you know, this isn't a break yet because they're looking at it slightly different from a different angle. So there's a lot of noise in the short term, and be careful on people who are quote unquote the chartists because they're the ones who tend to say, now's the time to go long, now's the time to go short. And they're just looking at trends. They're not looking at CEOs. They're not looking at products. They're not looking at the sector. They're not looking at valuations. They'll say, I'm just looking at the science of it, my friend. And there's a little BS that you have to call on that on occasion and a little bit of time where you have to go, okay, I get it. Now, changing topics for the third time in this segment, trying to give you some things to think about, things to invest in, ideas to ruminate. Um, there's a lot of skepticism out there on Starbucks. When they rolled out their digital ordering system where you can get online and, and hit a button like and it would help your loyalty points. Who doesn't love a loyalty point? Um, this was back in September 2015. People were like, Starbucks isn't a tech company. And years later, they're like, Starbucks is doing pretty well with technology. So eBay had rolled out a location-based system that recognized customers as they walked in the door. Consumers were not particularly impressed. eBay eventually spun off its unit, PayPal. Apple Pay was launched in 2014 as a faster, more secure method of payment. Merchants weren't terribly enthused. Never, a lot of the merchants never even activated the feature. So you get eBay features, you get Apple Pay features, you get Starbucks features. But Starbucks mobile order and pay feature, it was a hit. And it actually became a problem where too many people were doing it. And the idea was that your coffee would be ready for you and you pick it up and walk out. And now you're going in and it's like a mosh pit of people waiting to pick up their order. Good problem to have, in my opinion. Wall Street typically says a lot of things like, well, that's a good problem to have. Or Wall Street will say something along the lines, it is a commodity. Coffee's coffee. How many people could really tell the difference between coffee? You're like, well, I, I understand that too. So you kind of get yourself caught up playing a little tennis back and forth. So Starbucks mobile to order pay feature is something that has a universal appeal. I don't want to wait in lines. Pre-orders actually created a bottleneck, though, as pickups collide with in-store orders. The company is now rethinking store layouts and hiring pre-order specialists to handle the demand. So you go in for your interview. I'm a pre-order specialist. I have ESPN. No, I mean I have ESP, and I can help. So 9% of Starbucks U.S. orders were placed in advance in the recent quarter. That's not bad. So you don't have a server cashier saying, Hello, Mr. Black, what would you like today? Would you like the same caramel macchiata? Would you like some coffee? No. I'd like a large trip, please. You'd like a grande. I'm like, no, I said large. Grande. Large. Grande. Okay, you win. So if you order online, you don't have to have that interaction. Numbers are remarkable when you think of 90% of Starbucks orders are placed in advance with the transaction already swiping, with the money already exchanging hands. If you look at Apple Pay, which is available, barely anyone uses it. Given the opportunity to check out with Apple Pay, only 5.5% of iPhone users have ever actually chosen the option ever. Go to your phone, order Starbucks, go to your phone, use iPay. No one does iPay. Well, I do iPay. I love iPay. But a lot of people do Starbucks. And Starbucks has changed consumer payment behavior in a way that should inspire everyone in Silicon Valley. Apple should go, whoa. 
in the latest quarter, 30% of U.S. transactions were paid using the company's smartphone uh, app. So some people stand in line and use their loyalty rewards and pay. Some people pre-order and pay. Restaurant app loads, app downloads now. You know, when you take a look at it, who's doing the best? Might surprise you, Taco Bell has half a million people who've downloaded their app so that they can, you know, pay online. Your kid will Taco Bell. Bell. About half a million. Subway, a little more than half. Like Papa John's, almost one, 900,000 people. Then it goes Panera Bread, Pizza Hut at 1.1 million, Domino's at 1.9 million, Starbucks at 3 million, and the winner is McDonald's at 3.8 million. But investors want more. As long as Starbucks, you know, is in the news, you know, if you get a big pullback in Starbucks, people go, what's going on? Starbucks has become lukewarm at best as a stock. Coffee's giant shares have you know, underperformed at times. And now it's, it's got its cheapest valuation in five years. Take a look at valuation. Say it's traded between, you know, um, 22 and 40 in the last five years. It's currently at 24. You're like, that might be a good time to buy. It's value. Now, it could be a value trap, so be careful. So the big culprit on Starbucks is the same-store sales slowdown, which is a measure of success of a retailer's current customer base or existing store base of customers. Starbucks recently showed some caution. Investors who are usually quick to blame companies for short-sighted thinking, they're doing something opposite here. They're thinking maybe it has some upside because their problems in same-store sales is tied towards the mosh pit of people who are prepaying. So the smartphone revolution years and years ago started changing the way we're going to do bricks and mortar. And they used to be a good old-fashioned bricks and mortar without your credit card to pay. Technology still holds a lot of promise boosting sales over the long term. It's the kind of growth and financial performance that you're seeing out of customers with whom you've got digital relationship blows the socks off anything Wall Street would possibly want to see. So it's a pretty good problem to have. Um, you look at the number of Starbucks Starbucks stores right now, there's 26,736. By the year 2021, there's expected to be 37,000. That's an improvement of 40%. And you already can find a Starbucks everywhere. Their second biggest market's China, then Japan, then the UK, Canada, Germany, France, India, and others. But the U.S. is about 74% in their stores. Sales at existing stores have slowed in the last 18 months, created a problem. Now, when you look at Starbucks and you call them a retailer, then you look at Dick's Sporting Good, and you look at Coach, and you look at others, you're like, this is not good. But is Amazon going to get into coffee? Well, maybe, I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe. Um, Starbucks have gotten used to, investors got used to better than expected results. And when there's a, a pullback, or they trim their long-term guidance, sometimes it creates that valuation that may be your opportunity. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. conversation 800-516-1220 that's 800-516-1220
516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Stock Talk with Rob Black. Black. A lot of people look at retail stocks and say, what's happened? Has, have they been amazon yet? And Amazon's not the only person to blame for what's going on in the world, in my opinion. A lot of companies will chalk up the declines of competition or the declines in their business or declines in their share price to the competition from Amazon. Amazon's been there for a long time, though. This is the worst year for retail. It's worse than 2008. It's worse than 2009. Why is it a bad year for retail? Is Amazon doing something different? It's not really so much Amazon. It's that consumers are broke. They've got lousy jobs. They've got debt. They've got stuff they can't afford to buy. So there's a pretty big problem there. Now, when you take a look at Foot Locker and their shares have cratered, it's, you're not comforted by double-digit gains in earnings growth for stocks in a comparable period of time, you're looking at why did these guys collapse? You know, what happens if we go into a real recession? I mean, people just don't buy shoes at all. Um, Running shoes. So we're not in a recession. It's not just Amazon. It's also the fact that people are broke. So don't just blame Amazon. Companies have been resorting to debt finance share buybacks amid lower rates, and that comes to an end as interest rates go up. So be very cautious on retail right now because I think there's a couple things happening. Amazon will get you because Amazon is the boogeyman. And not only that, but you're going to find yourself in a scenario where uh, consumers just are tired. So I don't think you can paint retail with a broad brush right now and say Amazon's going to get everyone. I don't want to do that. I think you have to look at categories. Still to this date, I don't know why. I don't buy paintbrushes online. I still don't buy paint online. Uh, there's you know, many levels of, of retail out there. Restaurants. Can Amazon kill the restaurant industry? It's going to be tough. Names like Panera Bread, Shake Shack, Buffalo Wild Wings. They are fairly protected against e-commerce penetration because there's a social aspect. And, you know, people still want the convenience of that. Um, going out to have friends, going out to talk to a bartender, going out to get away from your spouse. It's, it's, it's a little bit better than ordering in where, like, I'm going to get a delicious steak and talk to a beautiful bartender and uh, talk to my friends down at, at the old restaurant. Well, I'm going to get a beautiful steak delivered to my house. I'm going to eat it by myself. All by myself. I don't want to be... Then you get off-price retailers who people like to go in TJ Maxx and Ross stores in Burlington and do a treasure hunt and go find a big, big old you know, uh, carton of shampoo. And it's heavily slashed prices. And it's Ralph Lauren shampoo, usually $80, now 20 People are like, woo! E-commerce has only got about 1% penetration in this category. Uh, while same-store sales growth has been 3% or better, boating pretty well for that off-price sector. Then you get dollar stores. Amazon doesn't really want to do the dollar thing yet. You get Dollar Tree, Dollar General, which has a universal attraction of things are a dollar. Um, there's some new entrants into this market, like Brandless and Hala. Hala! Trying to replicate something similar online, but hasn't really pulled off terribly well yet, because same-store sales are growing about 
you get furniture sales. Don't you like kind of go into Ikea or into a, a furniture store and sitting on the couch? Will Amazon revolutionize that? It's going to be tough. Furniture stores, you know, let you try it before you buy it. Sit on it before you buy it. E-commerce penetration is nearly 20%. So it's starting to straddle that line of online and in-store. Um, so it's out there, especially as more reviews come online for the perfect couch or the perfect uh, love seat. This is a love seat that you can make love in. That's perfect. I'll take it. This is a relaxer that you can relax in. That's perfect. I'll take it. Groceries still pretty interesting. 93% of consumers still prefer to inspect their own produce. I do. I don't know what I'm feeling in a melon, but it feels good to me. So do I trust an 18-year-old kid with acne to pick my melons? And that's not a sexual inference to anything. It's just a reference to 18-year-old kids picking my melons. And it's still not a reference to anything. So names like Kroger, Sprouts, Lidl, Aldi, they stand a chance, but they have to be smart with how they staff their stores because they're competitive with each other and there's not a lot of mar- uh, margins. Elsewhere, you would probably want to look at mass merchants. You know, companies like Target and Walmart, how do they do? E-commerce penetration is just about 5% in the big box concept. So, and Walmart continues to make their stores appealing for picking up necessities on the way home after first ordering them online. So Walmart's actually trying to keep pace with some sort of competitive business model with Amazon. Um, JCPenney's and Macy's are feeling the heat from off-price retailers and mass merchants, and e-commerce penetration is reaching more than 13% of their business model. Some of the best malls are here to stay for now, leaving room for you know somewhat of a brick-and-mortar presence. Not all is lost, but it has been competitive. Apparel concepts and fast fashion have changed the business model a lot. Uh, H&M... If they didn't make sizes for men like small, uh, one pant leg, which they're supposed to have two, and really small, you know, more big guys would shop there for sure because the concept is great, fast fashion. Now, there's a chatter of bankruptcies going on right now. More than 75% of consumers prefer their apparel in store. You get into children's retailers and toy stores. Don't you still love taking the kids or the grandkids to the toy store? Pick out any one thing you want, under $10. Now, more and more, this is going to shift online is, you know, kids watch YouTube reviews and videos of the Lego Star Wars set, and they're like, I want that one, I want that one, I saw it on YouTube, and they don't know need to go to the store anymore. Sporting Goods is a type of retailer that's competing with online. Nike now has a presence on Amazon. Office supply companies. I need a big ream of paper or printer and ink. Uh, there's very minimal experience that you get in an office supply store. Electronic stores, we all want the biggest TV at the cheapest price. So we're paying attention to them in the world of retailers and uh, online versus e-commerce and bookstores as well. Those are the concepts in retail that I'm thinking about. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter at Rob Black Show. The closer you get to retirement, the more you need to start thinking about how you can get the most out of your nest egg. Hi, I'm Rob Black. On September 9th, I'll be in San Rafael, along with CFP Chad Burton and attorney Michelle Lerman, for a special event focused on retirement income strategies and estate planning. We're going to help you get a better picture of how to manage your retirement income so that it lasts longer, lets you live comfortably, and protects your family. Which accounts you should draw from first? What's the best way to manage your IRAs and your 401ks? How should you handle your Social Security? We'll cover all that and show you how to minimize your taxes. And we'll go over retirement products, which ones are the good ones, which ones to avoid. 
What if long-term care becomes an issue? That could drain your entire estate if you don't protect it. Just the tip of the iceberg. Join us Saturday, September 9th, 10 to noon at Sheraton San Rafael. Register now at robblackshow.com. For KDOW listeners, we'll waive the $25 fee. Just use promo code RADIO25 when you register. That's robblackshow.com, promo code RADIO25. Hope to see you there. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.